Hi, welcome to the news with Zimmer and Peacock for the week starting the um, 4th of January 2021. Today is the 10th of January 2021, but we always like to put out a sort of retrospective look at the week and just discuss some of the um, news and information that we put out this week. So one of the first things we put out this week was we, um, we made a video about um, Generation 1 glucose sensors. Um, so we get a lot of inquiries about glucose sensors and ZP is fairly um, synonymous with glucose sensing. Um, so we made a sort of educational video uh, around glucose sensors and why signals look the way they do from a glucose sensor. So um, we've added that to our educational series. You can have a um, quick look at that um, website. And if you're looking for this particular video, um, it'll be near the bottom of the page. So that was um, something that we put out this week. Um, something else that we um, put out this week was also the, um, yeah, one of our um, very good, um, let's say, friend companies um, is a company called um, Exhalation, ETL. And um, they put out a press release this week about um, their five-minute uh, COVID-19 um, breath test. So there's a, um, a press article there or press release that um, is probably really worth having a good look at. Um, as, I, as they say in their article, they're detecting um, COVID-19. Um, they're using the breath to collect it, which is really great because um, nobody minds giving the breath um, and it's probably a very effective place to try and find COVID-19. You know, if you're going to transmit COVID-19, then it's it's via the breath generally. So they have a less than five minute test for COVID-19, which is much faster than um, some of these PCR tests. You'll see these um, RT, these reverse transcriptase PCR, RT-PCR. A lot of the tests, they say one of the tests on the market says 15 minutes. More of them actually realistically say 45 to an hour. And now, if the RT-PCR test says we can test COVID-19 in 15 minutes, what they mean is if you have a high viral load, we can test it in um, 15 minutes. But in fact, if you were just mildly um, infected with COVID-19, then we might, you know, we're more likely going to take 45 to 60 minutes. So that's a piece of news that we put out this week. We just highlighted that one of our very good uh, friend companies called um, Exhalation Technology, ETL, has a um, breath analysis system for COVID-19. And I do want everyone to kind of look at this because um, you do get a lot um, in the news streams of COVID-19 tests, COVID-19 tests, COVID-19 tests. Very quickly, they are scientific papers. That's great. And it's very good to move on. But they're not um, they're not on their way to commercialization. And so there's a lot of noise about COVID-19 tests. But actually, this is one where... Um, as they report in their news articles, they've actually, you know, they're going into hospitals and testing it on um, real patients and they're seeking um, emergency use authorization. So really well done to them. Now, um, some other news that ZP uh, put out this week is, this is just a small um, little note, but um, at ZP we make biosensors. Uh, biosensors, if they include enzymes, um, they, for example, can be quite temperature sensitive. And it's not just enzyme-based biosensors that can be temperature sensitive. Um, potentiometrics biosensors can be temperature sensitive. 
in some ways, if you want a really accurate result, it's probably a good idea to control the temperature because you don't want an uncontrolled parameter in your test signal. So in this little picture that I'm showing to the guys on the vlog, um, we basically have what's called Peltiers, um, which can heat and cool depending on which way you flow, you apply voltage to them. And we're just testing them because we're making a temperature control stage for some biosensors. So it's not something we talk about an awful lot, but at ZP, we do make biosensors, but when we do all the uh, mechanical and um, electronics sometimes around those sensors to make them, um, to make them function in the real world. Something else that we um, just highlighted this week, um, on the 28th of April, 2020, there will be an online webinar for sensors for the water interest group. So there's a, a group in the UK called um, SWIG, Sensors for Water's Interest Group. We're gonna sponsor them. And we are gonna do a talk about our nitrate sensor. Because our nitrate sensor, um, we've made it for measuring the nitrate in soil. And I would say we've done a really good job on it. Um, it's it's going into fields now and being tested. Um, but importantly, if you can reduce the amount of nitrate you put on the soil for a farmer, you can then um, reduce the amount of nitrate that was excess and that ended up flowing into the water courses. As soon as you put nitrate onto the field and if you put too much and it gets in the water courses, the rivers, the streams, the ponds, eventually the sea, it causes algae blooms. And so the algae all proliferate. So they're having a great time chomping on the nitrate. But of course, then they absorb all the oxygen and then you find dead fish in the water because all the oxygen has been depleted by these algae blooms. So nitrate sensors for soil is really good news. Um, also for the water courses uh, around um, farms. And it really plays into Zimmer and Peacock. Um, we've aligned with the UN sustainability goals. And in those UN sustainability goals, there are, you know, improving the environment and making sustainable, you know, food production. And that's what I really like about the nitrate sensor that, you know, we make the nitrate sensor because we like making biosensors and it has a commercial application, but it's so beautifully aligned also with, in some ways, the future of humanity, how we are all going to feed ourselves and how are we all going to live on a nice clean planet. So really happy with, with that project. Um, really pleased with this. We made a, a, um, a ketone sensor um, this week and it's an unusual ketone sensor because we make um, glucose sensors and those sensors use, for example, glucose oxidase. The thing about glucose oxidase is its cofactor is oxygen. So whenever you've got an aqueous solution, your cofactor is oxygen. Um, and it's therefore easier to make wearable sensors because the, the extra molecule that you need is always in the environment, always in the solution. So if you want to make a wearable biosensor, then having an oxidase enzyme um, means that you can you know, fairly well achieve that. So if you want to make a lactate sensor, you can use lactate oxidase. If you want to make an alcohol sensor, you can make alcohol oxidase. If you want to make a glucose sensor, you can make glucose oxidase. Now with ketones, it's different. There's not an oxidase enzyme for it, but we've actually managed to make an enzyme-based ketone sensor that can be used in a wearable format. So we're quite um, pleased with that. I'm not sure if it's a world first, but it's getting pretty close to it. At least in the commercial aspect, it's definitely getting close to it. So um, pleased with that. 
we did an article that we um, updated on our ag tech business. So ZP Ag Tech is a kind of marketing name for um, our nitrate sensor. So we did a bit of update on that. This is something that was really um, interesting and useful. So um, as many of you will know, we've got a product out there called um, Food Sense. And um, Food Sense is for measuring the hotness of chilies and the pungency of garlic and the sulfite in white wine and the pH in, of um, foods and the curcumin in turmeric. And um, one of these Food Sensors has made its way um, to Purdue University in the US. And they came up with a really nice methodology for how to take a um, chili pepper, how to blend it, and then how to test it on the food sense. And they also did a nice correlation with HPLC. Now, I would say there's no gold standard in the food industry for measuring the hotness of chilies. HPLC is considered to be it, but really when you look at the data, you find out that actually lab to lab, there's a lot of variability. So um, HPLC is not a gold standard, it's more like a, just a, you know, a tin standard let's say, but um, they actually did say that, you know, we correlate very well with the HPLC. Now that having said that HPLC is not the gold standard, it's nice to show that actually, you know, it's the only standard that does exist other than tasting the chili, but we actually do correlate with the HPLC. So we're quite, um, we're as good as the current standard. And in fact, whereas an HPLC will cost you 50,000 euros, we're considerably less than that. So it kind of achieved what I wanted to achieve, which was, HPLC was no good and expensive, and now you know we um, have a really nice technology and a fraction of the cost, and it's a handheld meter, whereas HPLC is a laboratory with pumps and solvents, and um, you have to have a really well-trained technician to uh, run that instrument. So in summary, that is the news from Zimmer and Peacock um, for this week. Um, really happy, you know, so there's a little, so we put out a little video about um, Generation 1 glucose sensors, it's worth watching that. Um, really good news for our um, good friends at Exhalation Technologies um, who have been successfully trialing um, a COVID-19 breath test to really good and less than five minutes, which is really much better than most RT-PCR type tests. Um, we've had some good news in terms of our ketone sensor and um, it was very nice to get the independent um, validation by the University of Purdue on the ZP FoodSense technology. Um, I just want to say a special thanks to um, our listener in Trondheim. I appreciate your comment this week and um, thanks very much and look forward to speaking to you next week. Thanks very much.